Hi, this is Tim DeForest. Welcome to episode 33 of the Edgar Rice Burroughs podcast. Uh, we're going to go right into this without our usual introduction because we made a last minute decision to divide um, our discussion of the novel Cave Girl into a two part episode and simply didn't record our regular introduction for us. So you're, we're going to jump right into the, our continued discussion of, um, of Cave Girl, uh, starting with part two um, and Please remember that at the end, we will have more information about our current um, trivia contest. So be sure to send us an entry for that. So please enjoy the episode. Um, and we'll just keep going. Um, so um, uh, it starts off with a chapter called King Big Fist. Um, and we, it, it opens in a way that reminds us who Waldo is. He's, he's you know climbing on a cliff. Um, he sees a ship, his family yacht, you know, and then we, it establishes he's been on this island a year now. And um, he realizes that he has to return, but he has to bring Nadara with him. That, he, you know, he's, he, he is, he's not like Tarzan, who could live happily in the jungle under primitive conditions. He's learned to live under primitive conditions. But if he can get back to civilization, at this point, he wants to. Um, he's had time to think it through. So it's like, I can go back. And I can take um, Nadara with me, and that'll be awesome. Um, so uh, you know, they descend there. He gets Nadara, and they head towards the harbor. Uh, they encounter a, a savage named Thurg. Um, you know, this is the guy that Thandar had broken his his arm in an earlier battle. Um, you know, uh, they fight again. Thandar wins, but they're delayed enough that the ship sails away. The ship has checked out the island that sailed around, oh, wow. hasn't seen any sign of civilization. And, uh, you know, he, he's disappointed, but he's still got the girl he loves. So they return to Nadara's village. Um, and Natara, uh, you know, he's challenged by the current king of the tribe, whose name is Big Fist. And we see how much growth Thandar has made here in that he's not at all impressed by the the, you know, the aggression that Big Fish shows towards him. He just says, yeah, I've killed lots of guys. You know, do you know, remember I killed Flatfoot, I killed Kurth, I can kill you if I need to, you know, but why do we have to fight? Let's be friends. And Big Fish kind of backs down from this because he doesn't want to, you know, he says, I, I won't kill you. You needn't be afraid, but know that I'm king. He's backing down because he doesn't think he can beat Thandar, but he's still trying to keep his pride. Um, and Thandar is just completely unimpressed by that. Uh, it ends with him laughing at Big Fist and the sentence is a very different Walter, Waldo Emerson Smith Jones from the thing uh, that the sea had spewed forth, spewed up 12 months before. So he's completely in hero mode now. Um, and this chapter reminds us of his history, but also shows that he is a capable person now. He is the hero. Um, and I do like his decision when he sees the yacht to try and get back to civilization. You know, he would... No matter how good he's become, he would miss at jungle life. He would miss his family. He'd miss his books. He'd miss wow. the benefits of civilization. Um, comments from you guys on this chapter? I think uh, I think your point about the fact that here now he is starting out the whole section of this book or 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 this part of this book or being published separately before about four year period. Uh, shows him as a hero in that way. Um, so we're on a whole different platform, a different understanding of his character, and his accomplishments. 
you know, in my head, we're thinking we're going closer to the Tarzan or Korak mode of, of someone who's already established himself mm-hmm. is going ahead. So now what kind of obstacles or challenges are ahead for him? Mm-hmm. I did, did want to make a comment to that um, when you're talking about Cave Girl and Caveman, because they were uh, published about four years apart, that when you mentioned Cave Girl, that is serialized over three mm-hmm. copies, three different sections, which makes it sound like a short story. But the literary journals and magazines back when these were published had small print and were very much literary or novel. That's where a lot of novels made their first appearance. Mm. Dickens and the stuff he wrote years before that, most of those, Bleak House, David Copperfield, were serialized week to week or month to month in in the papers. So when you hear like it's originally just a three-part story, it doesn't necessarily mean it's that short. It's not three chapters. Uh, a lot of those magazines would have four to five chapters of that section in just mm-hmm. that one issue that they released. Yeah. So for modern readers, just to kind of give them an understanding of, of how the length worked and how a lot of these works were first uh, put out to the public. And if they were very popular, then they became published as an actual book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Um, uh, I've got a point that I would like to make if we're done mm-hmm. with the chapter. Yeah. Okay, I should have brought this up earlier. Um, at the very beginning of the book, I mean, like page one, chapter one, no. um, um, uh, Waldo, it's just uh, made it, this is on the very first page, it's just made it to the um, island, and some of what he's uh, ruminating there is, is told in flashback a little bit about how he's brought up and all that. But uh, he's made it to the island, and he sees a shadow, and, he's, and this is at nighttime, but it's a shadow that looks like someone moving about near him, mm-hmm. and this goes on for like four nights. Well, at some point in the story, which I thought was in the chapter we just completed, and of course I didn't write down where it was, but at some point in the story, Nadara tells him that was her. Mm. Do you all recall yeah. mention of that? I do now, and I'd actually forgotten that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, she'd been observing him. Yeah, I thought it was a nice little twist, and that, mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to bring it up. And mm-hmm. I cursed myself for not uh, not noting wh- where her revelation is. Yeah, so to, uh, at least uh, point out to our listeners. And, that uh, be on the lookout for that. It's in here somewhere, so I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Also, okay. also, it's significant at that point where some people, because of fear or the unknown or someone trying to kill me, might take off and run down the beach or the coastline to try and get somewhere away. He has become so frazzled, so discombobulated or depressed or fearful. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's get this over with because he goes rushing into the jungle to mm-hmm. find out what this shadow is and just saying sort of like, okay, live or die. Got to mm-hmm. get this over with because I can't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that actually becomes a step for him progressing to everything else. Yeah, that's true. So, um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump to chapter two of part two, uh, which is called King Thandar. Um, and we find out his first challenge is actually one of uh, social conscience or cultural consciousness. He wants to marry Nadara, but he finds out that the tribe doesn't have any concept of marriage. You know, if you want a girl, you just take her and you find a cave. Um, And he has not gone savage enough to accept this. He wants Nadara and he wants to be with her, but he wants to be properly married to her. And he has no idea how to go about that. Uh, It reminds me actually of Bo and Tyler at the end of uh, Land the Time Forgot, he and Liss mm-hmm. just said they plighted their own troth 
that night. They considered themselves married because they didn't have anybody to marry them. They just said, I take you as my husband. You know, they, he didn't do the ceremony, but it's just something like, I take you as my wife, I take you as my husband, and they were done. Uh, it doesn't. This doesn't occur to, to Waldo. He wants to have a proper marriage somehow. He doesn't um, know any other way. Right. I, you know, he talks to her father about that. And it's like, you know, I want to take your daughter as my mate. And he says, well, you killed Gorthan Flatfoot. Just, you know, she's yours. Now I want to do a marriage. How do you guys get married? I don't know what marriage is. So, um, um, you know, he, he says, in my country, we don't take wives by force. You know, we have to be married properly. Um, and she he tries to explain this to, to Nadara. And she doesn't understand it at all. She has no cultural um uh, keystone to base this on um so you know it's this a quote from the chapter to her it seemed that thandar must care for her very little for her that was the only explanation she could put on his strange behavior and that made her very sad so um there's you've got these cultural um um uh uh, uh you know differences here and they can't figure out what each other is saying you know not, they they share a common language now but they, they can't get their points across because they don't have the background to be able to understand each other's points. Um, Nadara's father also talks about Nadara's origin. They found a woman and a dead man washed ashore in a lifeboat. Nadara was born from the woman, but she died in childbirth. And so uh, they were set adrift in the boat. And then the old man raised Nadara as his child. And then he dies. Um, you know, they have a, a, you know, kind of a funeral ceremony. Um, Big Fist gets upset by the funeral wailing and he threatens Nadara with violence. And that's not something Waldo will put up with. So he leaps to her aid and they have a fight and Big Fist dies. So the chapter ends with, um, um, you know, Thandar now being king of the tribe. Um, any comments from you guys? Again, an important part on that character's or growth, mm. just like when it's hard not to compare to Tarzan, but Tarzan uh, fighting in the, in his tribe, and, mm -hmm. you know, and then and raising his position. And it, we we're seeing this. We already know the other background from the other part, but in this, it's setting it up like maybe some of the King Call stories by Robert E. Howard or whatever, where he's in a position of power and barbarianism, strength, whatever you want to call it, where he's confident, and bold enough, he's able to take the king down when the king is threatening them and the people in response, then make him king because their natural tendency is, if you want to say it, might makes right. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's now the one that they don't want to have a conflict with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would add that this is uh, yet another opportunity for Thandar to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, he, is, uh, he has made himself into a man who can defend himself. He's accepted the lifestyles of the island um he's uh won the girl that he's in love with uh he's turned down a trip home mm -hmm. and and now he's about to become the person in charge mm -hmm. so he's made all these advancements all these all this growth is this really a step he wants to take and does he know that yet mm -hmm. and 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 will he make that step with the questions i'm posing here i would yeah you're asking these questions too now, whether, um, yeah, it, it's actually to, we have to think, remember, I think it's to Waldo's credit that he doesn't want to take Nadara without them being properly married. And mm -hmm. maybe he should have thought it through maybe a little more and said, we can just plight our own troth and we can have our own little ceremony because there's no other way to do it. And I think 
everybody, no matter how strict their beliefs on the matter, would have been okay with that under the circumstances. But he doesn't he doesn't think of that and he doesn't want to despoil her. This is part of treating her with proper respect. She'd be perfectly mm -hmm. willing just to move into a cave with him because that's how it's done in her mm -hmm. tribe. But he says, right, right. you know, but it's no, it's not just like that. You're not just somebody to make babies and to satisfy me. You, you know, you are someone I love and I am going to do this with the appropriate amount of respect towards you. And it's his mm -hmm. mind that requires the ceremony. So it sounds old fashioned to us, but I think it's awesome. It just shows what Waldo thinks of Nadara. Um, well, but, but when the story was written, marriage was... Uh, was vital, yeah. And yeah. I actually I actually have strict views myself. I agree with that, even though I think he could have done his own ceremony under the circumstances, especially after he was king. He could make a law about marriages at that point. Yeah, um, he's he's really should have. He should have really thought of that. So, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, but the point I want to make here is that he can no more conceive of being of being with her and mm -hmm. not being married to her than she can conceive of the opposite. And that is, yeah, doesn't even understand what marriage is, but she knows she wants to be with him. Mm -hmm. She's probably never heard the word before. What, yeah. what he's using? To yeah, he was. Married. He probably would have had to have just used the the English word. And um, you know, what does that mean? Well, that's the ceremony to bring. What we don't do that. You know, it would have made no sense to anybody in the tribe. Why do you have to make everything so complicated? He did, yes. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay, chapter three, the great Nagula. Um, Thandar starts ruling. He doesn't really care for being a king in some ways, but um, uh, he finds that if you, you know, Nadara is all that much safer as long as he's the king. Nobody's going to mess with her. And he does have a lot of book knowledge, um, but not practical experience. And I like this. He's grown so much. And he knows about things he can do to strengthen the the the, the tribe, but he doesn't know, you know, uh, he knows the the theory of agriculture, but he's never actually done it. Um, so he couldn't make any practical hints about, for instance, building permanent comfortable houses. He doesn't know carpentry, um, and so all the things he's learned to do, it doesn't include a lot of things that he wants to do to be able to improve upon the tribe. Uh, but he does the best he can. He does make some improvements of them. Um, and he does get some agriculture started. Um, he, he does able to make the point of how to do this. Um, and, uh, you know, he um, also just comes up with like a theory of you need to, if you have a king, you just don't blindly follow him. If he's a good king, follow him. If he's not a good king, get rid of him. You know, um, so he's he's trying to teach them like some political, primi very primitive political theory there as well. He's going to talk uh, his way out of the job as well. He's going to yeah, ba basically is. There's a there's a minor earth tremor, and the Dara tells them that's the great Nagula. It's like you know this giant panther that devours the whole land. It, it's you know we've heard stories of it before. He's setting it up that there are occasionally rare on rare occasions earthquakes here. He's setting up the earthquake that's going to happen in a light uh, a later chapter. Um, you know, and it ends with Nadara having something of a premonition, you know, saying, I'm afraid, Thandar, she whispered. Why? I do not know. I only know that I'm afraid with a great fear that will not be quiet. So something's going to happen. Um, we don't know yet what yet. And that is the chapter of the Great Nagula. Um, any comments from you guys? Well, I was going to add that the sad irony here is that for all the wonderful informative books that Waldo read he mm -hmm. did not read enough about carpentry <laughs> and some of these other and some of these other improvements that he would like to make mm -hmm. if he doesn't know quite how he goes about doing it yeah 
and it's and, one of and, and for his first priority should be to build a library mm -hmm. <laughs> build a library and write some books on carpentry and then yeah. uh, do the carpentry <laughs> so, so right. that's all i got but it's a great bit of character it's a great character bit it reminds us you know he's a hero now and he's capable now but he doesn't just magically know everything He's right. still got these holes in his knowledge. I wouldn't be any better teaching them to build houses in this situation either. But, um, you know, it's not something you that Waldo would know. And Burroughs recognizes that and he puts it into the story. And it's really pretty neat. It just helps give a an aura of realism to a, to a you know, what is a fanciful tale. I, I think, and I, I, I shouldn't even say this, but I think if I were in that situation, I would, first of all, develop some kind of description, a picture, Mm -hmm. a written description if that were possible of of what i envision here and then and then assign a team to go out and figure out how to do it mm -hmm. and have the report back to me periodically or go check on them periodically yeah or, or you build build a small one build a very tiny house i mean like a you know something you hold in your hands as a model mm -hmm. to illustrate what the larger one might look like uh, ways to approach it I tell you, if uh, Waldo had been washed ashore with the professor from Gilligan's Island, he would have been in great shape because the professor knew how to do everything. Take two sticks and make a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, as pretty much it. I could build everything but a raft. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I think this chapter illustrates well when we were having a discussion earlier before the recording session mm. uh, where we were discussing the type of character he's presented at first where he said he's not a person you expect to go out and, and be able to captain, uh, supervise a PT mm -hmm. or patrol. And we would said uh, he most likely be good in Washington or, or and this isn't a stab at anyone who's doing this at Pentagon or someplace like that, creating papers and arrangements and plans for the other officers there. Well, you can see here, that his sense of delegation and taking the knowledge he has to make things more orderly fits right into that same kind of point that came up in that discussion. We had. Yeah, yeah, that that's very true. So, um, okay, chapter four is the battle where an enemy tribe attacks, and Thandar actually proves to be a pretty good general um, using like you know innovative weapons and tactics to be able to build the beat the tribe which is uh, led by a man named Thurg. Um, and once again, this is like an extended battle scene and it's a great battle scene. And so I'm kind of giving it short shrift and going through it in just a sentence and two, but it is a typically great um, battle scene. But Thurg, the leader of the tribe, he gets away um, um, and uh, he'll, he's going to come back to cause some trouble in a little bit. In the meantime, Thandar and his tribe celebrate, they dance, um, he enjoys watching Nadara dance, which is understandable enough. Um, and, um, um, yeah, uh, so they, you know, they have a good night. Um, they have a successful, um, uh, uh, celebration, but they don't realize that Thurg is sneaking up on the tribe. And while he is asleep, uh, Thurg kidnaps Nadara. Uh, she screams once and the scream rouses Waldo from his dream but he just thinks that what he did was a dream. You know, he, he doesn't go check it out and he falls back to sleep again. So that's chapter four. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to compare this chapter to the chapter in The Return of Tarzan, when Tarzan leads the Wazari against the Arab warriors, Arab slavers. 
you know, in both cases, we have a hero that's introducing new tactics to the many leads and gives them an unexpected victory. So it's kind of a parallel there. Uh, one of the weapons that he introduced was the bow and arrow. Another mm -hmm. was the lance with a, mm -hmm. flame, a flaming uh, tip. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I see. So, and that's just, you can see where the bow and arrow alone, even if they were very primitive bows and not the most accurate or far firing, just by themselves, they would make a huge difference. Yeah, that's something you can strike at your opponent from a bit of a distance, mm -hmm. and, and they can't even get close enough to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that would have been a completely new thing. Um, well, they, you know, they threw spears at each other sometimes, but mm -hmm. this would have been this would have been a little bit longer range at least. Mm -hmm. um, we can presume they're probably not the best bows in, in, in the world because you know uh, Waldo would have been figuring out how to make them as well, but they'd still fire probably a little farther than you could throw a spear and would have been just an unexpected and effective weapon against the bad guys. Well, after you finish building the uh, library, then you build the Dick Sporting Goods. Where you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, he just needs to throw up a Walmart and just have it all in one location. So um, any more comments on this chapter? Uh, it'd be interesting to see a video of how he taught the tribesmen to dance. Yeah, and 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 does he he lightly touches on it, saying uh, they're a savage type of moves. Uh, he knew little of compared to uh, what he was aware of as the waltz or the other things he learned in Boston. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to. Uh, uh, sorry, my mind's going to Monty Python and the Ministry of <laughs> You know what kind of dance they came up with? Obviously, they came up with some kind of victory dance where everyone was good with it. But I had some pretty weird visuals going through my head trying to figure out what it might came down to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anything about how they went about making music. Presumably if you're dancing, you got music to keep time to. That's true too. Could have been yeah. chants or it could have been some sort of drums. Yeah, but they yeah. doesn't really touch on it. Pipes or flutes. No, or probably not much yeah. more much more advanced than the uh, Apes Dum Dum uh, from yeah. the Tarzan story. Yeah. Um. So Okay, well, chapter five is the abduction of Nadara. Uh, Thurg has kidnapped Nadara. This is, what, at least the third guy in the story who's wanted to kidnap her for her own. Um, and he won't be the last either. Um, she, you know, he gets away with her. She tries to escape from him, is immediately recaptured, and then there's an earthquake. Um, Thurg runs away. Nadara gets back to the village, but the cliff face has collapsed. Um, there's mangled bodies everywhere. She searches for Thandar. Um, she can't find him, thinks he, he must be dead. And so she wanders around for weeks. She finds a cave to live in. And at the end, the chapter ends with Thurg finding her again. Um, so the story is about to move on to a new, you know, a, a new phase. Um, Burroughs kind of like, you know, pretty, uh, there's not a criticism. It's just the way he did it. He pretty brutally gets rid of the tribe because he didn't need them for the rest of the story. They would have gotten in the way. He needed he needed Waldo to be free and on his own. Um, so they just, you know, get wiped out in this earthquake. And so like that, the situation that changes. That does not eliminate the kidnapping problem. Though. No, it doesn't. But it means he can focus on that. And Burroughs doesn't have to waste time with Waldo trying to figure out, okay, who can take over as king while I go get Nadara and all of that. He doesn't want to slow the pacing down. I see. So I think that's the reason that all the cavemen die for the sake of keeping the story fast paced. 
So, so um, the sacrifices we make. It's the sacrifices a writer has to make. He's built this like little primitive civilization, but now they get in the way of the rest of the story, so they all got to die. So, um, um, but it's you know it's it's another exciting chapter, and we just can't help but feel bad for Nadara, um, who's just on her own and thinks the man who loved her is the man she loved is dead, and she doesn't even have a family or a civil a tribe left to go to. She's completely on her own. The, uh, this chapter. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say this chapter also shows Burroughs taking a different uh, storytelling approach, which we've discussed in other books he did. But in in uh, the Cave Girl, it basically works with Waldo, and he's mm -hmm. basically the character we're following in every single chapter throughout that whole time. Now, in here, this chapter and the next couple of chapters, we'll see. Uh, Waldo or Thandar isn't really part of them. This mm -hmm. chapter concentrates on uh, Thurg and and uh, and the girl and everything that happens there for mm -hmm. Dara and stuff like that. You're not really hearing anything uh, about Thandar. Yeah. And then in the next chapter, without jumping ahead, we'll see that it goes to a different set of characters that tells their story. Mm -hmm. And we've discussed that so many times on how he brings us up to date on these different people mm -hmm. and what's happening concurrently yeah. to where they're going to go to that bridge as opposed to Cave Girl, where it basically follows one single thread for most of it, just for Waldo and its transformation to Vandor. That's a good point. And it, and it gives him, uh, gives Burroughs the chance to do his usual trick of ending a chapter on a cliffhanger. Whoops, Thurg mm -hmm. is found in there again. And then moving on to somebody else. So it's several chapters before that Pence cliffhanger is resolved. He builds up tension yes. that way. Um, well, well, if I may jump in here uh, real quick. Mm -hmm. we've been, up to this point we've been in third per person the story's been told in third person mm -hmm. right? yes and it's still re it's still is continued to, to be told in third person mm -hmm. right? that's what i was thinking i just wanted to verify yeah it was but it, it is true that cave girl was told mostly from waldo's point of view not entirely um so it was it was pretty much one thread whereas this one he does jump from one point of view to the other quite frequently okay. Uh, yeah, in this case, we jump back to Boston, and it would actually be a bit of a flashback because it explains how the yacht that um, Waldo saw in Chapter One came to be there. We jump back to Boston, um, where uh, uh, Waldo's parents get news that he was he was you know from a year before get news that um, he would have been washed overboard, and a year has gone by. Um, Mrs. Smith Jones is described as as uh, prostrated. Um, he, uh, the father, John Alden Smith-Jones, he fits out his yacht, the Priscilla, and he sends Captain Burlingham over. And that was what the yacht we saw at the end of the last chapter that Waldo avoided because he didn't want to leave Nadara behind. Um, the, well, you know, I, hope, I hope the dad is, is feeling kind of guilty for not spending more quality time with his son. When the he morning. ought to be. That's kind of the, the, this reminds me of Captain's Courageous, the Kipling novel. That's pretty much the plot of it. So his son has an adventure um, that the father missed out on. So when um, uh, so Burlingham comes back to report his failure, um, but then they get the letter from the the first ship that Waldo had encountered, and he when he decided to, you know he had decided to stay there, um, and he sent a letter back. So they get a letter that just basically says, um, you know, dear mother. It's kind of interesting that he rewrites it directly to his mom and not to both of them. He knows who's uh, in charge. Yeah, he knows who's in charge. You know, he tells that like he's got to remain here. 
Uh, the climate's delightful. My cough has left me and I'm entirely a well man, more robust than I can recall having been. He doesn't give any details though. You know, um, he just says that I've got to stay here. He's got obligations. Uh, and he's met a number of interesting people, the most interesting people I've ever met. He doesn't give any details at all. They just assume he must have found some civilized enclave on this island. Um, and he's not going to tell them anything that's going to yeah. enable them to come get him. <laughs> yeah. He wants well, to stay away from them. Well, they do know, uh, you know, they do know where the island is uh, because the sailors who got the letter are able to give them the latitude. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Darn it. yeah, he's just not giving details. He doesn't want to worry them, you know, so... So they fit out the Priscilla again to come back, to go back to that island another time, because they just think, well, Burlingham was there with the ship and we didn't see him. We must have overlooked something. There has to be a colony. The dad says there has to be a colony of civilized men and women somewhere upon it, because it does. It's just it's not in his brain at all that Waldo was living happily with cavemen in a primitive society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Burlingham can't figure out how he could have missed an actual village or city or town. But um, they're going to go back, um, and the the parents will go with them this time. Um, and you know, they're within a week. They're sailing out of uh, Boston Harbor. Um, they weeks later, they we also learn we also meet William Stark, the first mate, and he'll be a key character. In fact, the next chapter is going to be named after him. Um, they go to the island. They make excursions in. They find nothing. But then they see a girl being chased by a, a, a savage caveman. You know, so Burlingham and uh, Stark um, see, see the guy threatening them. So they the, try, the chapter ends with them firing their rifles um, to try and save the girl. So any comments on this one? Well, in defense of the parents who we've taken down a few notches, mm -hmm. at this point, they actually are going to, if you want to call it, bear the hardships of going on yeah. at sea yeah. and maybe halfway around the world, mm -hmm. wherever it may be. So, because sailing wasn't really pleasurable even at that point. Well, depending on their yacht, this is, again, this is probably the early 1900s or yeah, we're talking about, as opposed to the pilgrims or the 1800s. Yeah, they there's a lot of uh, uh, difficulty taking a, a cruise that far. It was mm -hmm. not very clean and, and not a lot of a lot of danger to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, and the, um, even if you, yeah, you assume they had a private cabin on the lot and yacht and nice food and wine and all that, but it still would have been out of their comfort zone. Anything yeah. out of the anything outside of Boston society or uh, doing a tour of Europe that the uh, that rich people used to do would have been outside their comfort zone. So, my, my gut feeling is they've got. I agree with what you're all saying, but my gut feeling is they got room on the yacht for a couple of servants. They probably do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either so they're not they're not doing serious hardship, but they you know the most you can say is they're they're a little bit out of their normal social comfort zone, but yeah, they're not um, starving themselves or or putting themselves in physical danger. Um, you know, we're we're going to see they have their good points pretty soon. You know, even even the mom, but. Up to now, um, that they are willing to sail with Captain Burlingham is, uh, I think, a point in favor of both of them, though. Uh, po point I would like to add real quick before it slips my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in reading a fictional story, I like to have a map if there's a map to be had. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if memory serves in the uh, early 1950s, this was one of two Burroughs books that, that was published 
in the map back series. Was yeah, that was back. That was Dell Go Publishing ahead. did that. Was that was Dell Publishing? They did that. Yeah, that was who I was thinking of, and uh, and it and uh, the other was the Tarzan Tarzan book. This book uh, was published with the Dell map back, and meaning mm -hmm. that there's a map available of this island. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's it's hard to find those Dell map backs on on eBay. They'll pop up there once in a while. Yeah, but they are expensive. I've um I've seen them. Yeah, it was Tarzan and the Lost Empire, I believe, That's was it. the other Dell map back. Yeah, I didn't bother mm -hmm. writing it down. And uh, yeah, for sure. The mm -hmm. uh, but the map back map. Is available in ERB Zine, and if, okay. you know, if any of our listeners want, can't track it down. That's ERBZine.com. I should mention. I'll so I'll put a I'll put a link to it in our show notes. Oh, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. All right, and I can always if, if the link is an excellent idea. Okay. Uh, so I can if you contact me through through my discussion group, I can help somebody track it down. That's there. Okay. Provide the link. I think that should be good enough, though. All right, good. Okay. That's all. Okay. Um. Well, chapter seven is first mate Stark. Um who's going to be the next bad guy. This is suitor, un unwanted suitor number four for Nadara. She might actually, even for a Burroughs heroine whom everybody falls in love with, she might be setting a record for the number of, <laughs> of, of unwanted suitors she has. He obviously uh, has to be quite striking. Yeah. Um, it flashes back a little bit to see like Nadara trying to get away from Thurg. Uh, she catches him. He catches her, but she just mocks him and... Um, um, you know, she gets away again. Um, and uh, for, a, for a few days, she has captured her or or uh, traps her in a cave where she can't get out. She's running low on food. Um, she finally makes a run for it. And um, that's where they run into the crew from the boat. And, um, you know, Stark and Burlingham, you know, shoot Thurg and falls, he falls dead. So he's gone. Um, Nadara does speak a little bit of English, um, so which is understandable. She's learned a little bit of this from Waldo over the last year, or over the last six months. Um, you know, and so they try to com they communicate with her. You know, we're looking for a friend who was shipwrecked on this island. Um, you know, she realizes they seem to be talking about Thondar, um, but. Um, you know, and she decides because of that, she can trust them if they are Thondar's men. Uh, they take her aboard. She meets the parents. And, um, you know, she says, like, you know, the, her people are all dead. You know, um, the father says, ask her about Waldo, you know. And she says she knows of him. And um, he was, you know, she, she says she was killed in the earthquake as well. And she believes this is true. Um and so, you know, the, the quote from the book, the shock staggers John Alden Smith Jones. It seemed incredible, impossible that Waldo could have lived through all that. All he must have lived through to perish at last in what, a few short weeks before Sucre could leave him. Um, you know, and he breaks down and cries. So I agree he probably was a distant father, but he was a father who did love his son. And we see that now. Um, and also, awesome reaction from him. He he really he you know when he, he finds out that Nadara loves Waldo he instantly accepts her as a daughter, and I think that speaks you know however unnecessarily distant he might have been as a dad, uh, our assumption was he what he was, this is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, the mom Mrs. Smith Jones, 
reaction to this is, you know, the brazen hussy to dare love a Smith Jones, you know, uh, and she rejects her at first. Um, she'll change her mind later on. She'll have an epiphany too. So, and I think we have to keep in mind that she's mourning her son at this point. So I, a harsh emotional response told Nordara does show her snobbery and I'm not excusing that, but remember she's trying to process that her son has gotten killed as well. And we, you know, I think we have to understand that she's not going to react with total rationality to anything she finds out. Um, <clears throat> so they start to sail away. There's a storm that makes them, you know, that slows them down and they have to retrace part of their course to, as, as they, as they outrun the storm. Um, the Stark, the first mate falls for Nadara and he tries to, you know, he tries to, you know, to sweet talk her. She rejects him and he, uh, you know, knocks her unconscious and then fearful of the consequences of this, he lowers himself and the girl over the side and they make for a nearby island. This is not the same island that that Waldo is on. It's a different island. But now we have another bad guy who's kidnapped Nadara and is making a getaway with her. So comments on this chapter? I think you stated it very well, particularly okay. where, the parents, where, where his parents are concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Alden Smith Jones comes out um, awesome looking. Louisa Smith Jones comes out kind of snobbish, but you know, also mourning her son. So any emotional reaction she has, you can't hold against her at this point, I think. Um, it covers a lot, lot of ground here. There's so mm -hmm. many, if you want to call it revelations. Yeah. Facts coming in, learning more about the parents, learning mm -hmm. more about his background, understanding more about the thoughts he had in the cave girl, why he was chivalrous to her. Yeah, didn't want to hurt a girl. Uh, why there are times he made decisions that took him forward as opposed to going back. Because I'm sure the family uh, background here is showing that they are people of action, even if we considered him to be mm -hmm. uh, toast or whatever. Uh, in, throughout Cave Girl, we could see his his family, without taking positive actions, probably wouldn't have this type of wealth or money. The fact that they're there to find him. We're finding out certain things that probably have been in, are part of his DNA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else, or we move on to chapter eight? Uh, um, so chapter eight is okay. Chapter eight is the Wildman. So Nadara and Stark are now on this new island. She regains consciousness and manages to get away from him. Um, there, he's chasing her. And they all get captured by. Um, these painted savages who will turn out to be headhunters. Um, they're taken back towards towards the um, headhunters' village as prisoners. Stark, uh, you know, collapses along the way, and they just behead him. So he he got to be a villain for like one chapter, and then <laughs> he um, he served his purpose too. He got the Dara into another, the next dangerous situation that Waldo's eventually going to have to rescue her from. So. Um, Burroughs is being ruthless and getting rid of extraneous characters once they've served their purpose in this novel, um, it, which is just, you know, another sign of good writing. He understands when you need someone for the story and when you don't. And it's okay to whack a fictional person if you need to for story purposes. So otherwise, um, uh, every fiction writer in the world would be a horrible murderer. So, um, um, so it, you know, that's pretty much the chapter. There is this 
really vivid scene of them being pulled through the jungle by the by the um headhunters and um you know stark just can't handle it ends up losing his head and nadara is now a prisoner um and that's the end of this chapter where we're going to jump to the next chapter back in time to what waldo was doing after the earthquake so any comments from you guys i think this chapter demonstrates something we've talked about burroughs style writing before and that um especially in this day and age it's not graphic violence mm -hmm. or or the way we've kind of gotten used to seeing it in, in a lot of books and movies but he doesn't shy away from savagery we've we've had a few talks about so, a couple of recent books that we read where things happen to people mm -hmm. and he described it it wasn't super graphic but it it wasn't a happy ending mm -hmm. for that person. And here the idea of, uh, you know, headhunters or these, as he calls them, uh, painted savages goes ahead at this point, they're tired of a guy and they just go ahead and behead him. It's showing that, you know, there, there is a, a hardcore <clears throat> physical danger here. It's not mm -hmm. just, not, not just a, a young man's adventure or Huckleberry Finn or, or Tom Sawyer on the run, you know. Mm -hmm. Although they did have Injun Joe with the knife, but yeah. besides that, the actual decapitation, you know, <laughs> talked about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Someone loses their head, it's not attention. Mm -hmm. It does, um, and it also establishes just how dangerous this tribe is. So we we get a sense of just how much danger Nadara is in at this point. I, I I was tempted to bring this up a minute ago, and I don't want to detract from the story. I do not want mm. to do that, but I'll just mention. Uh, years ago, when I read the story for the first time, I saw there was another island involved. Briefly, I thought, well, they found Professor Maxson's uh, Monster Island. That would have been cool. Um, but uh, uh, there were there were there were no headhunters actually on that island. So it might, sure. but these might be related to the headhunters that were the primary bad guys in that novel. So right. Yeah, so it's, just, it's just a thought. Yeah, but that that is well, but to clarify for our listeners that is not the case. Mm. Uh, Professor Maxson and his monsters did not did not appear in this in this story. Yeah, would have been a cool. Never never considered. Mm -hmm. It just yeah. seemed like a, it's just my thought. But it could be a tribe related to those that encountered the monsters eventually. You know, so oh, it's very possible as a time. Yeah, I mean, I think they, the case could be made for that. Yeah, I mean, we all know Burroughs was actually a historian. Um, oh yeah, you know so, um, so uh, um, chapter eight or chapter nine is building the boat. It jumps back what would now be several weeks in time to right after the earthquake. Um, he uh, um, Fandar was buried inside his cave, but he's able to dig his way out. He thinks Nadara is dead, and he finds her cave empty. Um, but he sees, you know, that scavengers have mangled what bodies there are. So he thinks he is the, the she is dead, and he goes on kind of a, a death hunt. He just goes out and challenges every panther and bear he can uh, to to battle, uh, but keeps winning the fights. It really establishes that he is in epic hero mode now. But he doesn't care whether he lives or dies because he thinks Nadara's dead, and he thinks he's alone on this island. But eventually, he, he encounters another savage named Ruth. And he learns that you know, that this guy had seen Nadara. He learns that Nadara had left the island on a boat. Um, and so with Ruth's age, aid, he builds a boat and sails after them. Ruth just backs out of going with him and disappears from the story. 
though I kind of like Ruth. I, I was kind of sad he left the story and wasn't seen again. Um, but, um, you know, once again, he's Burroughs has greatly simplified the situation on the island in an important way when the tribe gets killed off by an earthquake. It means that Thandar doesn't have any responsibilities there at all. So he's just completely free to leave um, to leave the island. And Burroughs is also sets up the timeline so that it's several weeks before Waldo does learn that Nadara is still alive. So she's had time for her adventures to happen before this. So he's, <coughs> he's interweaving the timelines again. He's going back to Waldo and explaining what happened in the, in the in his timeline while the stuff from the last couple of chapters was happening <coughs> in the dorm. Um, any comments from you guys? Nothing from me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, besides uh, now Thandor not having <coughs> duties and being in that position, this also frees up Nadera because she really, that's where she grew up, but her home, her people, her family, mm -hmm. they're all gone. So she yeah. really doesn't have ties there either. Yeah. Yeah. They're completely free when they uh, get back on the yacht Priscilla at the end. They're completely free to head home. Um, they don't have to worry about anything else. So so it, it is a great way, a very effective way of, of simplifying the story and, and getting the heroes, the protagonists to where they need to be at the end of the story. They're really lucky to survive everything you've been through. Mm -hmm, they are. Um, so chapter 10, the headhunters. Um, Waldo's several days at sea. He runs out of food and water. Uh, and then he shipwrecks on an island, which is with, you know, typical Burroughs coincidence, the same island that Nadara's on. Um, but the, the next day, he saves a man from being murdered by a headhunter. And that's the Chinese pirate leader, uh, Sao Ming. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Um, so he um, um, he he just you know makes friends with Sao Ming because of this, um, and he learns from like the pirates that the pirates have learned that the local tribe of headhunters have what they call a white goddess in a panther pelt and wearing a large diamond ring, being worshipped by the headhunters. So Nadara goes from having four unwanted suitors all of whom have gotten killed, to now having an entire tribe that worships her as a goddess. Um, she's really got to be good looking. Um, <laughs> so, um, so he asked the pirate leader to wait three days while he investigates this. He wants to get Madara and he wants the pirates to take him off the island. And this time he takes a gun with him. Um, and this is because he's already established himself as a hero. He's killed the the suitors in hand-to-hand -hand combat over the next over the you know over the course of the story so far. So from a story point of point of view, from a from a purpose, from a thematic point of view, it's now okay for him to have a gun because he doesn't have to prove himself as a hero anymore. So he can just shoot the bad guys if he has his chance to do so. And it's not gonna look him make him look bad. Um also, if we assume he didn't take a gun the first time because it would he wouldn't be able to take proper care of it, now he knows it's going to be very short-term. If everything works out, he'll get to the village, rescue Nadora, and make a getaway. So he doesn't have to worry about the gun rusting or having to clean it or anything like that. So it's a different situation. Um, any comments from you guys? Nothing from me. Okay. No, yeah, I think you covered it pretty good there because right here, everything's serving... To bring us into those next two steps where yeah. the stories uh, yeah. have the climax, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Introducing the pirates is another interesting plot twist. Um, 
but he's going to make that pay off. He's going to make um, uh, Sal Ming's uh, gratitude towards uh, Waldo is going to pay off in a little bit. But here, here's something think. interesting, too, because just out of habit, I'm mm -hmm. thinking the island originally is off like the coast of Africa with mm -hmm. the Chinese pirates. Chances are really good. This is actually uh, in the South Pacific. So, yeah. Uh, Southwest. I've, I've always assumed it was in the Pacific. I don't know. I can't say for now that for sure now that I think about it, the story says so. But I think it may have said it was in the Pacific. Um, uh, I don't remember offhand now, but. Well, the I'm, South Pacific Islands are known to have uh, attractive women. Um, the broad Pacific. It does use oh, Pacific. Yeah. Yeah, so it does say lazy swell the South Pacific. Yeah, his legs. So yeah, yeah. So it does clearly say that he was um, that that it was a Pacific island. So I just all, my brain reverts uh, by habit to Africa. To Africa. Yeah, we, bur <laughs> I mean burrows in Africa are always going to be linked. So okay, um, chapter eleven, the rescue. <clears throat> they, um, you know, uh, Bandar gets the to the village. Um, it's, um, he enters at dusk, he locates the temple where Nadara is being held and he gets in. And this is, I mentioned this fight earlier. It's a fight in the pitch dark against the guards there. And it's a great fight scene. And once again, has its own separate feeling from the other fight scenes because Burroughs comes up with a way of making it unique. And in this case, it's that they're in the dark and the, the opponents can't see each other. Um, but he, he does get away with Nadara. Um, they they get escape through the floor. They get to the coast. Um, they arrive back at the pirates, but the pirates have been um, uh, have departed. Uh, they do get away in a canoe though, and they sail away and they leave the frustrated uh, headhunters on the beach. Um, so that is chapter eleven. Um, I've already mentioned what stood out to me was that just that fantastic fight scene in the dark. Um, it is just amazing when you count. I don't know if it would be possible to count out the number of fight scenes and battle scenes in uh, Burroughs's uh, novels. It took, um, took the words right out of my mouth. Yes, but but you would be hard put to find one that just copies another one. They all had their own individuality, uh, whether it was the setting or the situation or the tactics being used. In this case, a fight in the dark uh, at nighttime in this unlit temple was just a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful fight scene. Hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a Burl's familiarity or touch to it that mm -hmm. has that the type of things that draws to the pulps in these type of adventures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's been other fight scenes at nighttime, and I'm, I, I would need to check this, but one of the latter Tarzan books, uh, the bad guys accidentally set their palace on fire Okay. Try to track down Tarzan. They so they start a fire, and I think that's occurring at nighttime. All kinds okay. of confusion from it. There may have been other outright fights that have to work. Okay. Um, chapter twelve is another great action field filled novel. This is the Panem uh, yeah the the final climactic battle. Um, you know they they see another island in the canoe. Uh, capsizes as, as they approach, but they're able to swim ashore. So Waldo's become a pretty good swimmer by this point. Um, a ship pulls out towards them. He thinks, Waldo thinks it belongs, it's the pirate ship for Zhao Ming, but it actually turns out to be another pirate crew. They get captured and they're taken the, to the Priscilla, which is also captured. Um, 
and they're confined uh, they're confined ashore in huts um that night you know waldo hears somebody entering the dara's hut it's the it's the head pirate um he manages to kill him and save her um they get away in the confusion they get to the anchored priscilla but they're taken prisoner by the 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 pirates on that vessel um the next day they're taken ashore and they're uh, confined with the rest of the crew of the priscilla so waldo's reunited with his his family who at first doesn't really even recognize him because he's such a different looking guy from the little skinny uh you know um sickly guy he was um well um you know uh Mrs. Smith Jones, this is where I really give her credit. She's been snobbish. She's been mean to Nadara. She was probably a a, a helicopter mom well, who spoiled Waldo growing up. But she apologizes to Nadara and accepts her as a daughter. Um, and I think that's pretty awesome of her. Um, Thandar's about to be decapitated by the pirates, but Zhao Bing shows up. And this is where saving uh, his life earlier pays off. You know that they they um, stop the other pirate crew, and Zhao Ming frees the captives, gives them back to Priscilla, and they are able to sail for home. Um, so, um, you know, we see great plotting, a great plot on uh, great storytelling by Burroughs. In that, you know, two chapters earlier, uh, uh, Waldo had saved Zhao Ming, Zhao Ming, and this pays off later, and Zhao Ming saving him. And the Dara and his family, um, and once again, as I mentioned, you know, props to Mrs. Smith Jones. She's turned over a new leaf, and she's done so willingly. And when you think about it, okay. her they they don't know at this point that Nadara is the daughter of a countess. So she set aside all her social prejudices here, um, and so this is a big step for her, and it's very much to her credit. This is you know uh, Mrs. Smith Jones growing as a person um, and growing in the right direction. So, you know, good for her. I think it makes, as you said, for the character personality build on it. If this happened later after she found out she's the daughter of a count and a countess, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, accepting it. But in a way, accepting a person for who she now is, albeit right. part of her son's life, which makes a difference, has a mother's own personal prejudice, Mm -hmm. She's going to find out that that's very possibly her son is marrying up into society instead of taking someone <laughs> lower and bringing them into their society. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Burroughs did this in exactly the right order. He had her, Mrs. Smith Jones, accept Nadara before she learned he, she was, in fact, royalty or nobility of some sort herself. Um, it that's would, a good it, point. That's yeah. A good point. Yeah. Um, it it was just it was really vital to uh, you know mom's her mom the you know Waldo's mom's character growth. So she's a different and better person than she was as well. Um, and she does that. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say just recurred to this. She does this while they're all prisoners of the pirates and in great danger. She's not whimpering in a panic or anything. She's actually making amends with someone she had uh, treated unfairly early, even though they're in great danger. So I'm giving her more points than I did a minute ago because of that. So, um, so good for Mrs. Smith Jones. This chapter is another example of uh, uh, Burroughs' uh, consistent use 
of of dramatic situations. Mm -hmm. The devices he uses here, like again, when we've talked about movies and that type of thing, it looks like they're getting away free earlier. They're there, and a lot of times the stories say, "Oh, they found a ship and everyone lived happily ever." No, he throws the whole bottle of wax mm -hmm. in there, and everyone's in danger. Yeah, and they make the get away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. It works dramatically, but it's kind of interesting that Waldo has proven himself enough of a hero that the final rescue can be done by somebody else, and Waldo's gets rescued as yeah. well, and we don't feel cheated. Waldo's already already accomplished so much that where that Burroughs can afford to have someone else come in and do the final rescue without spoiling Waldo's character arc. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That would not work for a lot of characters in other stories. Yeah. yeah. Really good point. Mm -hmm. I think we I think we've seen Burroughs use that before. I couldn't uh, Yeah, he's had um I don't know, at the end of Chessmen of Mars is John Carter and his army showed up at the end. I was uh, thinking John Carter, yeah. Yeah, so there there are a few cases like that where the main heroes need to be rescued. Well, even um, I don't know Tarzan and the Lost Empire. He the Wazari showed up with rifles at the mm -hmm. end to help save everybody. Yes. So so um, yeah, by the, he Burroughs recognized when his heroes were heroic enough to where they actually didn't have to do everything, and you still knew they were heroes. Oh, uh, excuse me. I'll give you a good example. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Tarzan Untamed, where uh, Korok makes his, Korok, yes. his way through the oh. entire book carrying a rifle on his back, gets one mm -hmm. shot off right when they need it. Yeah, that was that's an excellent example. That's probably the best example. And we don't feel cheated at all by that. It's actually an awesome no. ending. And we Glad don't feel I mean, it doesn't minimize Tarzan's heroism at all. Yeah. I mean, we, so. even, we even know he's on the move. He's going someplace. He's got mm -hmm. the, but still, yeah, maybe I was surprised. Yes. You just got to figure out why he's not six years old at that point. Um, <laughs> um, so um, the last chapter, chapter 13, Homeward Bound, they get to Hawaii, um, the, the uh, Waldo and Nadara wed, um, and they find out from the locket that was in the pouch that um, she is the daughter of, of, a, of a count, a French count. So, but once again, it's important to emphasize that this was after Waldo had married her, after he confessed her love for her, and after Mrs. Smith Jones had set aside her social prejudices and accepted her as a daughter. Um, so, it everything happens in the right order to give everybody their character development and the the uh, satisfying ending. It ends with, and they are living in Boston now in a wonderful home that you have seen if you've ever been to Boston and driven about one of those great sightseeing motor buses. For the place is pointed out to all visitors because of the, of the beauty of its architecture and the fame that attaches to the historic and aristocratic name of its owner, which, hap which as it happens, is not Smith Jones at all. Um, so I is he? I think he's saying there that he changed the names of everybody so that right. you right. know to protect the privacy. Of course, he supposedly did that with Lord Greystoke, but it comes to where we can't think of Tarzan as anybody but actually Lord Greystoke, even though he says in the first novel he was using fictionalized names. That's what he intended. You know, so yeah. Um, but it's just, can, it's not possible to think of Tarzan as being anybody but Lord Greystoke. You just sure. can't, you know. So, um, you know, whatever the real Smith Jones is, we'll always think of them as Smith Jones. Hopefully the name is shorter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now, Waldo and Nadara did get married. Mm -hmm. And did Waldo's dad? What did he wear to the wedding? Is that mentioned? 
Waldo, uh, before the ceremony, there have been discussion as to what name to be used in describing Nadara in the former contract. Uh, nothing specifically about the dad. Ceremony yeah, I took thought, part. I thought he wore, wore a loincloth. Am I getting my stories confused? I think you are. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just got married aboard the Priscilla with the captain uh, officiating, I think. Uh, no, prior to the ceremony, which took part of the Priscilla, it doesn't say who officiated. But um, that on Honolulu. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they were set up for a nice honeymoon right then and there. Uh, the There was a clergyman who performed the ceremony. Um, he entered on the certificate in the space provided the name Nadara de la Velob. So she she took her French name. Her She kept Nadara as her first name, but then took their French family name. So, uh yeah, there is. I I cannot remember who did the artwork on the ERB comics page for this the the their adaptation of this, but there is a wonderful final frame when they finished it of the Dara in like nineteen thirteen style clothing on the street of Boston and just looked drop dead gorgeous in them. Uh, the artist did a great I job. Think I think it's I think it's Pavlo. Is it? I think so. I cannot remember, but he it was. I mean, the art throughout the story was great. Um, but uh, that shot of Nadara, like all dressed up in the style clothes of that time, was really nicely done. Um, you know, this book and this chapter have me all keyed up for possibilities in the crossover universe, like mm -hmm. Scott that when started up with the Ever Ecker, you know, and also sequels for this because I'm looking at. I, I would change Waldo's name and I'm going, I'm predating the actual creation there, but picturing coming back to the person who he is now mm -hmm. in, in a large city society, I'm thinking he should maybe be called Bruce Wayne. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to take any crap from anybody. He's not going to back down. He's either, we're talking, getting close to the beginning of, for American involvement, World War One. Yeah. Is he going to become uh, Tony Stark? And become a uh, entrepreneur or or a uh, <laughs> armorer, own an armory or whatever. He's going to become someone who I believe be very influential, work in social services, possibly government. He's going to have ideas of change and stuff. He's he now knows he has a confidence and knowledge wow. to make things happen, and he's got the money and background. Yeah, yeah, monster, uh, monster man. He could go back. He could have a crossover for those characters, or you know, where is her mother countess from? Mm -hmm. Are they going to run into the Mad King or somebody? I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. There's all kinds of connections. I'd love you, to see this carry hey, on. <laughs> hey, one thing: when you get to World War One, which is just be a few years later, yeah. if if the if Waldo had stayed the same person he was and never had his island adventure, he would have, you know, his family would have arranged for him to go in as an officer and been like an aide de camp to somebody in the well, the Pentagon. Yeah. Did, the Pentagon wasn't built yet, was it? Um, at just yeah, the war, the so. War Department. So at the War Department. Um, and he wouldn't have seen combat. Now he's going to volunteer. He's going to feel obligated to volunteer. He's going to be like a, a major or a colonel leading a battalion or a regiment. Exactly. There's yeah. so many possibilities on yeah. how he mixed. Maybe world maybe so he, many avenues to pursue. You could you could do another half a dozen books on on maybe, him and the family right here. Maybe he'll serve alongside Ulysses Paxton in uh, in World War II before Ulysses supposedly gets killed in combat. But actually gets transported to Mars. So oh, the, yeah, well, there's there. a good possibility there. Yeah, he could have he could have been or, the or commanding officer. Put General Pershing and, and Dwight 
David Eisenhower. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. You, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you got all courts of. I mean, now I'm picturing meeting Tolkien on the front lines, um, which would be just a really bizarre <laughs> oh, crossover. Yes, uh, or 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 or, uh, yes, Lewis. or or Adolf Hitler or, or oh, good uh, heavens. Or, uh, uh, um, uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, um, they're all in the territory in World War One like that. You know, and they're just hide. This is just ripe for going into all kinds of directions. He'll meet and with for, the time. Okay, uh, he'll time he'll travels. he'll meet Ernest Hemingway as a who's an ambulance driver, right? And he'll tell <laughs> he'll find out Hemingway wants to be a writer, and he'll urge him to use the style of that Burroughs guy who wrote his biography. Right. And so (laughs) and so Hemingway will become a completely different writer than he was in our universe. So. (laughs) So. um, No, there's a ton of things that could happen here. There could. I mean, yeah, even you're right. But your original point was all the crossovers you could have within the Burroughs universe. So I kind of was having fun going outside that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but I can see the Hunter tribe being part of the tribes that were the bad guys in the. in the Monster Man, and maybe that island they were on, that second island, is the one where a lot of the action takes place. After they leave the original island, and he's chasing yeah. the the bad guys who are holding the girl, maybe that's the island they were on. It's the same island. Maybe maybe the descendants of Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, who fought the pirates and continued to live on the island? Except for that's the true. Yeah. If we go with yeah. the movie version, I'm there's not sure they. I don't. A, yeah. I don't think they fought pirates in the novel. Um, I think they just can't remember right? because yeah. it's so much part of the movie. It's just I know it's in my head. Yeah, yeah. I'm going. I'm going for three three minutes. Now. How many books have you guys spec'd out? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've pretty much crossed over uh, uh, Waldo with every other fictional character we in the universe. We have created the worst <laughs> Waldo universe. Yes. Waldo universe. <laughs> well, well, while y'all were creating the Waldo universe, I just want to mention. I checked the ERB web comments. Mm-hmm. The uh, I was wrong. The artist who did the uh, artwork for the, um, the Cave Girl uh, mm-hmm. web comic strip was uh, Diane Leto, L-E-T-O. Okay. Well, she, oh, she, yeah, she's marvelous. Yeah, yeah she Ma- did. Martin Powell she, uh, uh, wrote this. Wrote this. Okay. Yeah, and Powell Powell's very good at faithfully rendering things into comic books. He's he's excellent oh, yeah. at that. And yes, uh, Diane Leto's art was really very good throughout. I just yeah, remember how striking that last panel was of Nadara in Boston dressed up. It was kind of a nice. It was a very nice way of ending it. I took a peek at that. It's sharp looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. She does. She does a lot of great work. She's really mm-hmm. a fine art. Yeah. Creative. Very creative. Okay. So, um, well, that's our discussion of The Cave Girl by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, when we come back, hopefully within a few months, I, you know, just uh, Jess, Scott, and I live in different parts of the world or the country. So <laughs> that's why we're only able to get in three or four episodes a year. I really wish we could be doing this a little more often. Uh, maybe I'll fire you guys and hire somebody local. I don't know. I won't do that. Hey, well, don't worry. I'll, keep, I'll keep listening. <laughs> but before, before you go to that extreme, I want you to, to, to overdo it. Though. Uh, let's discuss getting together more often. Okay. Okay. But uh, we hope to get a to before long. We were going to, we decided on doing the mucker as the next one. Uh, another really fun novel um, that um, um, also set on the Pacific Island, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't that island in the Pacific? I believe no. so. We'll find out when we reread the, the novel. To set this up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so th those were busy islands in the 19-teens in the Burroughs universe. Um, uh, one of them could end up on Skull Island at one point. So, um, <laughs> so hey, you know, you know, the Countess of Creasy is actually uh, uh, a long tail, short tail, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo. There we go. It's probably a descendant. So, um, uh, so we hope to be back before too long doing the mucker. Um, I also hope I haven't been able to because of my schedule to maybe do some mini podcasts on um, adventure novels by other authors because I was having fun doing those. But I just I can't promise it because um, my schedule is what it is. And um, um, uh, we'll just we'll we'll do this as frequently as we can. I know all three of us have fun doing it. It's just um, we're not able to do them as frequently as we would like to. So keep an ear out for a future episode for one, one on the muckers. Uh, remember our trivia contest. What was the name of the mammoth that Von Horst made friends with? And email your answer to um, um, eggersmailbag uh, at gmail.com before June 15th, 2023. Um, once again, if you're listening to this in the 22nd century, you're too late. You're not going to win the book. Yeah. Um, unless I'm still around as a cyborg or something, then maybe. Um, so my name is Tim DeForest. Um, please visit my blog at comicsradio.blogspot.com and you can find a link to my books on Amazon there. Uh, Jess, do you want to plug anything before we go? Well, I want to ask you to tell us something about the uh, webcomic store, all the goodies and things we have there and where that can be found. Yeah. Um, well, that's, is it eggericeburrows.com slash comics? I forget the, no, no, the, no, no, the, no. The, the, oh, the, our store, our, our store. store. Yeah. You said web com, web comic well, store. Yeah, I misspoke when I said Yes. That. Sorry. It's a cafe, our store. Yeah. Cafepress.com slash ERB podcast. And the, I always put the link to that in our show notes. Uh, you can buy lots of great egg, the egg rice burrows. People were kind enough to give us permission to use images from the stories. So if you want a Clark coffee cup or a uh, Woola um, um, wallet or you know, um, uh, a, uh, um, a grip, a grip, the grip yeah. has actually been, we, we, we don't sell a lot of stuff, I'm afraid, but the grip has been our big seller when we have sold something. So um, if you want to make Jess, Scott and I rich beyond the dreams of avarice, please visit the store. There really is a lot of great stuff. A friend of mine, Ben Alvarez, has done the artwork for these. There's all sorts of different merchandise you can get these images put on. Um, there's all, there's also um, just some you know cool jungle scenes like a, um, a steamboat on an African river and um, <laughs> things like that. So there's just all sorts of cool images to, to, check, for, to check through. So just please visit our store. And if they go to the ERB podcast webpage too, mm -hmm. you got the links to that and got multiple other links to places they can go on. And yeah, uh, and yeah uh, any money that comes out actually goes back into the podcasting stuff. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, if we if we ever actually make money, we haven't sold enough merchandise to get paid out by the cafe press people. <laughs> so 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 um okay. So Jess, do you want to plug anything before we go? Well, I'll mention my Facebook discussion group for love of all things Edgar Rice Burroughs. And uh, as always, had a great time discussing uh, Burroughs with you all tonight and look forward to our next get-together. So for tonight, I'll say uh, good night mm -hmm. and uh, you all take care and uh, look forward to our next meeting. Mm -hmm. And 
Jess took right out from what I was planning to say to remind about the gift shop out there. And of course, Edgar Riceboro web comics are great. And on Facebook, I have a page called a group page called uh, uh, Street Corner Sideshow and Curiosity Shop, which is really more of like a co-op or collective. If you like things like our, our podcast, things that other people are doing with movies, TV shows, uh, new art and convention that's coming out, new comics, anything in that area interests, things will be posted there that covers a wide area of, of these things, sort of a potpourri. If you if you like this, you're probably going to like other posts there. So some place to just sort of browse around or hook up with if you want. Is, is pop culture a, an appropriate term for you? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, Jess and Scott, thank you again for being a part of this podcast. It's just, uh, um, wouldn't have been any fun doing this on my own. I did one episode alone before you two came aboard and, um, as brilliant as I am, it wasn't as much <laughs> fun without you guys making your comments and your insights. And I always appreciate it. So everybody keep listening for the next episode and we will see you all soon. Um, <laughs>